0: Welcome to the Third Rail Entrepreneur, a podcast about enrichment, enrichment of your mind, your relationships, your body, and ultimately your business via the entrepreneurial path. My name is Alistair MacDonald. Let's get started. Priorities, principles, philosophies, belief systems, faith, core principles, all things that we are sure we have designed for our own lives. They're all issues that we are completely convinced we have chipped away at and hewn from some slab of rock to come up with our own approach to our lives, our relationships and our businesses. But I want to suggest that you may be a victim of mimicry. Many years ago, when I moved to the United States, I left behind all of the aspects of my true self, my authentic self, subordinating it instead for the way of the American business person, at least what I thought to be the way of the American business person. And I chipped away and stumbled and fouled everything up, constantly trying to copy everybody else. And I was doing it poorly. Unfortunately, after a period of time, I started to succeed. And with that success, I became convinced that this was exactly what I wanted. And then one day, I realized that it wasn't, that I was in fact mimicking someone else. And as I looked up the kind of hierarchy, the people I were copying were copying other people. And this caused somewhat of an existential breakthrough for me. Everybody is convinced that everyone else has it all figured out, or that in order to create that six-figure income or seven-figure income, that multiple business empire, we need to build it exactly the same way that others do. And there is a lot to be said for taking aspects of what the successful that have come before us can teach us. Of course there is. But there is a very fine line between taking pieces and replacing your own self with someone else's hard drive. We see this with the way that entrepreneurs manage employees, philosophies with their patients and clients and buyers. Some ideas and notions that seem to survive despite remarkably strong evidence to the contrary. Philosophies like the customer is always right, for example. What a remarkably stupid thing that is. One of the things that separates you from your patient, client, or consumer is that you know more about the solutions to their problems than they do. That's a difference. Henry Ford famously said, If I gave all of my customers what they wanted, it would have just been a faster horse. So these types of sayings and thoughts and ideas linger on. We are sure that our particular religious faith was one of our deliberate choosing, or our philosophy about America's place in the world is uniquely our own. And that's fine. We're welcome to do that, and the vast bulk of us do all the time. But I want to ask you to think for a few minutes maybe this weekend, what if you designed all of it? This business that you're building, what if it was designed deliberately by you, for you? If we stripped it away to core principles and what it is that you want to achieve, does it really need to look like that of the person who you grew up looking up to? I had a conversation with a friend of mine today a wonderful person, entrepreneur that is launching off a new avenue of her own endeavors, creating a new income stream and a whole new business. And she was convinced that these were certain figures that her business needed to hit. Now make no mistake about it, these would be impressive figures if she were to hit them. And so far, she's already eclipsed her targets just a few months in. But as we started to dig in a little deeper, about what really matters to her, what it is that she really wants to be able to look back three years from now, having achieved or made happen, to feel good about her progress. In there were many things, but one was really powerful. Wanting a child, in this case, a second child. This goal was so rich for her that I visibly saw her tear up. Is it true that her business needed to be earning that amount of money? And what would she pay to achieve that? Is it true that she needed to earn $500,000 a year when we look at the complexity that this business model would create? Maybe. But is that really what she wanted? As a good friend of mine always asks, whose thinking are you thinking? As we dialed in further and discovered that this was the richest part of her aspiration, then immediately everything can be engineered around that. And we realized that the sacrifice to earn the income that she was willing to forego would not be worth it in the face of not doing this beautiful job of mothering well. She wants to be present for her second child in a way that she wasn't really present for in the first one. Those scars cut pretty deep. So, how do we design a business that supports the life that really, really lights us up? Well, we have to go back to ask ourselves what really matters. And that's the point of today's short little thought. I want to read something to you, a quote that was like a punch to the chest for me so many years ago. And it's one that I go back to routinely, because the implications are so profound. And while the choice, the option that this author presents is a binary one, and as you and I hang around a little more, you know that I have a deep resentment and fear of binary choices. But as much as he offers a binary choice, the point is so profound that I simply want to put it down here for you on your desk and slowly back away. What follows is an excerpt from a book titled Wanderer, an autobiography by a fascinating character named Sterling Hayden. I won't bore you with his remarkably interesting life, but instead just read this short passage for you, for your luxuriating in over this coming weekend. To be truly challenging, a voyage, like a life, must rest on a firm foundation of financial unrest. Otherwise, you are doomed to a routine traverse, the kind known to yachtsmen who play with their boats at sea. Cruising, it's called. Voyaging belongs to seamen and to the wanderers of the world who cannot or will not fit in. If you are contemplating a voyage, and you have the means, abandon the venture until your fortunes change. Only then will you know what the sea is all about. I've always wanted to sail to the South Seas, but I can't afford it. What these men can't afford is not to go. They are enmeshed in the cancerous discipline of security. And in the worship of security, we fling our lives beneath the wheels of routine. And before we know it, our lives are gone. What does a man need, really need? A few pounds of food each day, heat and shelter, six feet to lie down in, and some form of working activity that will yield a sense of accomplishment. That's all, in the material sense, and we know it. But we are brainwashed by our economic system until we end up in a tomb beneath a pyramid of time payments, mortgages, preposterous gadgetry, playthings that divert our attention for the sheer idiocy of the charade. The years thunder by. The dreams of youth grow dim, where they lie caked in dust on the shelves of patience. Before we know it, the tomb is sealed. Where then lies the answer? In choice. Which shall it be? Bankruptcy of purse or bankruptcy of life? That's it for this episode. Thanks for being here. Hey, there's only two things that you have in your life, your time and your attention, that you've given both to me for these few minutes of today. means everything. Cheers.